I think myself and my team don't see a distinction between architecture and urban design. We, it's the, the same verb applies, you design, and you, you don't architect something, you design it. You are listening to Design in the City, a podcast about the ways we can use design to make cities more livable and lovable. This podcast is a Recite production, and Recite is a global nonprofit acting to improve the urban environment, both on the stage at our events and off. This is Alexandra Siebenthal, and I will be your host. Cities are the sum of designers, developers, artists, citizens, public officials, entrepreneurs, and the displaced. But rarely do each of these constituencies gather in the same room or even speak the same language. And cities suffer for it. But Recite is literally that room. In order to create a city that is truly for everyone, we need to work together. We need to have conversations, debates, discussions, and we need to create a little bit of that friction where the magic happens. At Recite, we use our flagship event as a platform to do just that and frame the future of our cities through as many different perspectives as we can. This year, we aim to create conversations around how cities regenerate themselves from every angle. For Thomas Heatherwick, architecture and urban design go hand in hand. The way he sees it, these aspects of city making are not mutually exclusive, they're linked. Like with all of his projects, he strives to consider them from a human scale, capturing the essence of what already exists. And somehow, he still manages to achieve one of his pillars of placemaking, creating something that doesn't feel like somewhere else, like somewhere else we've already been. Heatherwick is known for a handful of prolific buildings across the globe like the Zeitz Museum of Contemporary Art Africa in Cape Town, the revived Coldrops Yard in London, and the much-discussed Hudson Yards Vessel in New York City. Heatherwick also announced his latest project, to be built in the heart of historic Prague's new town. The project will use a number of heritage buildings, creating connections through a major new and dynamic public space. We caught up with Thomas at Recite to discuss more about his projects that fit right into this year's theme, Regenerate. My name is Thomas Heatherwick. I'm based in London and have a studio that's been going for over two decades. There's 220 of us with an incredible mix of people of many different specialisms, but what our focus is designing buildings and spaces and pieces of city. And the there is a very, uh, there's, there's a, a particular emphasis on the human perspective on all the projects that we're working on and trying to not let architectural dogma drive us or pure high level theory, but dr drive by the on the ground user experience and um, trying to counter this move towards sterility that has been happening in cities creeping and then racing towards that over the last more than half a century and so it feels like there's a big job to do to try and make places mean something to people heatherwick is a londoner through and through so we asked him about his take on the city and where he sees its biggest challenges i think london's a phenomenal city and i'm utterly biased because i was born there and lived there and my studio's there however that's the 
the phenomenalness is is based on a city that's centuries and centuries old. However, if you go and find the parts that are new, where whole chunks are new, there's absolutely what I'm talking about within the, the greater London. And I think that's our challenge. And it's often that the old town and the center has a, a human quality and a humanity in, in it. And also that's where new elements are more sensitively integrated. And it's as you go outwards from that center that the, 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 the sadness of insensitive development happens. It's a, it's a huge question how, how you make <clears throat> large amounts of housing and, and all the things that are needed around that while making something that isn't soulless and has its own personality and is really feels it has the human dimensions that will n nourish our lives. Before we dive into today's discussion, we asked Thomas about his experience at Recite and speaking on our 360 degree stage. It was, there's an energy in the room and a focus mm. that is exciting to speak to and, and absolute engagement by everyone. And that, that felt special. And to be here in Prague, such a, a collection of some of the best buildings ever made it's it's interesting to talk about the subject of regeneration in this context. This year at Recite, we tackled urban regeneration and what that can mean for our cities. Some of Heatherwick Studios' most prolific projects, like the ones we discussed earlier, have also been regeneration projects. And part of what makes each of them so intriguing is what he was able to create out of those spaces. So we asked Thomas about what comes to mind when he hears the word regenerate. The word regenerate has been used so much that I actually have a bit of a dead feeling inside me and I've just put it aside to some extent and, and, and just think about my love for urban places that, that people connect with and whether that's working with existing older infrastructure and building, building elements and adding newer, newer elements or creating space within that or creating new pieces of city where there's, there's little left to work from that the, I, I think the, those, the word regenerate, it's so, it's been so used so much over such a period of time that I um, am aware it needs unpacking if it's regenerate what generated to start off with are you redoing something that existed already i'm not sure that's that i i feel that all that matters is going forward where you are now so the rebit isn't my focus it's what do we do based on now you know when satellite navigation systems came out and it was astonishing to have a uh, a device and you'd be in a car and you'd be going along and you'd set your destination and the, the lovely voice would go, turn left at the next street. And you wouldn't turn left at the next street. And the, the, the voice didn't get angry with you. 
didn't say, and, and this I found as a bit of a life philosophy, the voice, you'd go past it. And it doesn't say, you didn't go left. Why didn't you go left? It, instead, it just recalculates. And it just says, it says, do it, take a U-turn at the next thing and or turn left the next thing and continue to there. And so in, in a sense, each situation as a studio we find ourselves in, we're just looking forward. We're trying not to regret what we can't change and that, that satellite navigation can't change that you have driven past, you didn't obey it, you didn't do it. And there are so many things to you could regret from the last half a century or so of some terrible city-making decisions where people have focused on the roads, not the people, and, and got into their head that his many types of historic building were, were somehow blocking the creation of this idealistic infrastructure and didn't see that it was a possibility to do both. So we're, we're just starting from what we have and just positively trying to move forward and, and bring together existing elements and new possibilities. Suppose I'm only really interested in the generate <clears throat> and, and invent parts. The re implies a sort of sadness. I don't think uh, it's worth wasting time being sad. It lets the, the hope and enthusiasm, enthusiasm and possibility is what drives us as a team. The idea of regeneration goes beyond city making. Cities are made by people and people need to regenerate themselves, their minds, their bodies and beyond. We asked Thomas about how he personally regenerates and what kind of activities he does to restore that sort of vivid energy and mindfulness he has. Well, I, I suppose I feel there's this cliche that people talk about this work-life balance, a funny notion <clears throat> because the implication is that there's <clears throat> a balance between something that's damaging you and something you need to balance it with some restorative mm. dimension and uh, I am very fortunate to work on such a huge range of things in with my team and get to within that travel and go to um, and it, it sort of intellectually be stimulated and challenged in so many different ways. That's one of the greatest blessings or healings of of what we do. So uh, um, there's I don't see a line between a domestic bliss and a uh, a working drudgery. Mm -hmm. The the I personally I can't speak to, for my team, but I've um, constructed a life that's stitches as many facets all together into one amalgamation in some way. And I sort of think that the exciting thing is that in city making now, cities have started to realize that the idea that you had this big ghetto of residential and a big ghetto of work and you traveled between work and living, and that, that that wasn't actually making healthy pieces of city or healthy lives. And the integration of those things together so true mixed-use, multi-layered development is something that is more likely to make places that are alive and thriving by day and by night. And I feel it's the same in a, in, for me in my life, that you, you, by stitching all of those together, somehow it, that's what nourishes me. You are listening to Design in the City, a podcast by Resite. Resite is a global nonprofit acting to improve the urban environment. 
Joining us as guest host is Arc Daily's Christelle Haruk. Christelle dove deeper into the ethos behind Thomas's holistic approach to space, thinking on a human scale and what it means to innovate. My first question basically is um, on bringing architecture and urban planning or urban design, call it whatever you want, together, and um, on how you could really, how you did actually achieve this, and why do you think this is major and important uh, nowadays? And uh, what do you think a successful project is? Is it a combination of both? And uh, basically, how is your creative process? How are you deal? How do you deal directly in your projects with these two aspects? I know I'm saying two aspects, and a lot of times, urban, the urban part, urban planning, design, and architecture. Because, uh, for example, like when you're at university, you learn either this or this. But in your work, it's like both of them together. They're interlinked. So what can you tell me about this? Myself and my team don't see a distinction between architecture and urban design. We, it's the, the same verb applies. You design and you, you don't architect something, you design it. Uh, and the, we try to start by analyzing what are the problems and, and try to find uh, the issues that feel like the opportunities in the piece of city. And I think, I think no longer, and it's the same for us actually, no longer are we thinking of buildings as objects so simplistically. We're, I think we see every building project as uh, uh, an opportunity for urban improvement or urban enrichment or in, uh, engagement in some way. And so it's, it, it's not a thing that suddenly kicks into a different mindset. It's an opportunity to in, in, somehow um, connect with people provoke, provides interest and in the dumbest way, just try and be an antidote to the blandness and soullessness that is creeping very fast into most major new development pieces of cities. So it feels quite an urgent thing to be thinking about, but we're, our focus is maybe in, in answering your question, maybe more uh, clearly, our focus is m much more at the bottom of buildings than at the top. I think the tops of buildings have been overrated for so long, and London has been arguing and debating about tall towers far too much because it's an easy thing to talk about, whereas the hard thing to talk about is what impact a building has on a street and how wide it is, and whether you're walking past a dead lobby with a, a an artwork behind a reception desk for uh, many seconds of your walking along a street, or whether you're walking past five different engaging, diverse, changing things that enrich your life, and walking past a dead office lobby with a reception desk and a token big piece of art in the background doesn't give anything really to the street. It might look polished, but it does it really engage people. So 
the 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 connection to the street which because that's where most people are we're trying to focus our effort on people where are the people and what are the issues that matter most to them and have a, a dialogue with that i think there's been a a real gap and and I, I, my passion in setting the studio up i've always only been interested in gaps i haven't felt that the job of the studio is to express ourselves it's problem solving and the big problem to me seemed to be why are new pieces of city so soulless and monotonous and that's led to a very human focused design direction because it felt that many of those places were generated by forces that were very cerebrally led rather than emotionally led and it felt like there was a, a gap and in in a way of thinking and i suppose if we've been commissioned to do more things it's possibly because the digital revolution has meant that that thing that i was feeling as a funny little teenager going around the world um i wasn't going all the way around the world by the way when i say just going around in my world uh there was a point to that and so i'm always interested in the response actually of children and teenagers because there's a truth to the perceptions you have and often you speak to many people their career is defined by observations and analysis they made when when they were young very young and i sort of hold to that and i've tried to stay in while becoming educating and having multiple degrees and all honorary thingies from architectural institutes or whatever i've tried to stay true to some basic analysis of the utter need for more more human driven human centric human street focused um diversity and placemaking and and it, it if 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 that's led to projects i think i hope it's for that reason not i doubt it's because uh of my colleagues um orange hair or from uh, me having funny facial hair or a silly name or whatever. I hope it's because we, our commitment and enthusiasm is very sincere and our, it's very hard. I mean, the lessons I learned while studying, were, which moved from an initial, um, in a way indignant, I was quite indignant. Why, why do people do that? How do people build that? Who does it? How? To th and then as I learned more, I, I realized how phenomenally hard it is. And the, 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 the job of the building designer is challenged in the, the financial restrictions, the regulatory restrictions, then permissions, and the communication dimension, and the creation of huge amounts of drawings, and just general management. All of those things conspire to make places to, to make it hard to build anything at all, to make something at all and then make it also be special is phenomenally difficult. And I think that we need to cherish anyone who's making places that are wholehearted. I try to not judge on my taste and have a taste in a way. My taste is people doing things wholeheartedly. And so often the process wears, wears designers down. And I've been very lucky to, to 
over time have a team of fantastic collaborators who are very determined and so there's there's no illusion in our team that there's any genius move ever we just keep going and keep going and don't give up and have an an ongoing enthusiasm that is our energy and we know if we lose that the second we lose that enthusiasm and real belief if we become hardened we'll lose it and we should shut the studio the very next day so basically you think like uh, going back to the human and uh, to people this is as if it is the essence of the times let's say as if this is the it's an essence of the need but it's how you it's really important to think how you're going to think about that what that need is there isn't a simple answer and it's and that's what makes it so exciting but also complex and difficult and needs yeah and it's important to say that the commissioners are part of your design team they that you because they might be the particular expert on their subjects and here in Prague we're working with Crystal and they are absolute experts and um, in the uh, topology of the project that we're doing and they're part of our design team and we might get all the credit but there's so many people including the heritage bodies who we've been having some quite rich conversations with that are informing and improving our design work so it's just this ongoing ongoing drive and drive and pulling together that sometimes eventually actually turns into a real project that happens and hopefully can mean something to people that's our passion that's why my my team um i think uh work with me and together we we try strive to to do something that will be particular to a place rather than imposing a style on a place but uh, like most of your project like it's always there's always this question is it project or is it art and why isn't isn't it both in that case in a way because it has like a trim like very important it has a character let's say and it's also giving back to the city or it's um, doing a good uh, i wouldn't say good but it's doing an impact or it's solving a, an issue and a problem wouldn't you say well it it seems that the we we viewed function in the past i think quite two dimensionally so functional functionalism led to some of the most dysfunctional places and we forgot often that emotion is a function and that so that was a a critical part of the the, the functionality we needed to be perceiving and i think in a way there's just gently trying to bring that back in to the factors that will constitute truly functional design is in, is your innovation in the technology and the material you are using or is it in designing a special a project where do you see innovation in a way how do you see innovation i suppose innovation is is something that has no scale and pieces of city or larger building development projects start with the most strategic thinking but they still will all end up with a door handle and with a floor and with door toilets and all of these elements and so the the what i've i've always been struck by is that trying to trying to have the mental elasticity to be able to move between the the micro and the macro and move between the two and i i always found it in a way quite 
funny that there would be organizations which would just do master plans and organizations that just do the smaller things and I find the two inform each other and it's dangerous to think of a master plan without then thinking of the specific as well because a master plan means nothing if it's if the elements and ingredients within that don't connect with the human because the human walking around is connecting with the immediate things that are there so I think both matter and both are, need to sort of work closely together. So innovation has to be, there's a place, for it. I, I think innovation's a funny word, I mean, it's ideas. It's just, we humans connect with ideas and ideas have no scale. And why shouldn't there be ideas at the smallest scale and the larger scale? And I think it's just trying to find the, the reasons, the functional reasons that can drive that and, and ideas can be uh, driven by an, an idea can be for a way of making something more affordably or to use a local material so something doesn't have to be transported so far or it could be an idea for how something might make you feel or how something might look or touch you or how the all these different factors might create a function that you might might or one person may perceive as beautiful and so I suppose we're trying to stay alert and trying to say, stay alive and keep a vitality about finding the ideas and working diligently to embed them because you can tell when a project hasn't actually got love in the detail. Mm -hmm. So a master plan means nothing unless it, it, there is some real care and the personality and you, you pick friends because of personality and so the generic the generic quality that creeps into buildings through all the different forces that aren't ju just the designers it's so many factors means that the designer of buildings and pieces of city has to be a campaigner you have to be campaigning all the time for the human experience because that will drive the innovations in the technology to to be to be performing technologically, but also delivering a human factor at the same time. So we're always trying to make every element do as much as possible. That was Thomas Heatherwick, founder and director of Heatherwick Studios, as well as guest host Christelle Haruk of Arc Daily. Join us as we dissect these issues with guests like Ravi Naidu, founder of Design and Daba, Thomas Heatherwick, founder of Heatherwick Studios, architecture critic and founder of McMansion Hell, Kate Wagner, Wallpaper China's Yoko Choi, and many more. This podcast is brought to you by Resite, the global nonprofit acting to improve the urban environment and organized as part of the project Shared Cities Creative Momentum. You can find more talks, stories, and information about upcoming events at Resite.org. Become involved with the Resite community through our various social channels or by joining our newsletter. All links can be found in the show notes. This podcast is produced by Radka Andrzejkova, Matije Kostro, Hiel Sifuentes, Adriana Bielakova, and myself, your host, Alexandra Siebenthal. It is recorded and edited by Little Big Studio. <laughs>